Remember back to when you learned to ride a bike? Took me forever to learn to ride a bike, I'll admit it. I, uh, I, <laughs> Mr. Andrews broke the computer. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, I don't know why it says Asus back here. It shouldn't, but I'll just do that one for now. It's hard for me to do. That's, that's my. <laughs> anyway, took me a while. I learned to mom. My parents tried and tried and tried, and I just couldn't let go. And then one day I just got out there on my own and I learned how to ride a bike. And it was from then on I could ride a bike. Kevin, not that Kevin. Kevin. It says Kevin and there's Kevin. So, huh. little boy named Kevin was learning how to ride his bike. And, you know, he, he began riding with his training wheels, and as his confidence grew, mom and dad took the training wheels off. And he would ride a little bit and do a little bit more. And, and then as he rode, you know, it, it was okay. His confidence would grow, and he came by and by one day, and mom was on the front porch, and he said, Look, Bob! No hands! You know, and she's like, you know, Kevin, be careful. You're going to get yourself in trouble. You know, don't do that. And he came out and said, see, look, it's okay. I can do it. No hands. Kevin, you better be careful. You're going to get yourself hurt. And the next time he came out, he said, look, Ma, no teeth either. <laughs> Kevin's had put his confidence in the wrong thing. Rather than trusting in his ability to ride a bike, he should have trusted in his mom's instructions. Believers are many times the same way. We tend to trust our abilities rather than the leading of God. We continue our series this week on the Holy Ghost, ghost stories, a not-so-scary look at the Holy Spirit. With a passage that when you're reading, you may be scratching your head. You may be going, um... What does this really have to do with, with the Holy Spirit? Uh, there's not a whole lot here, but I believe the passage really speaks directly to the work of the Spirit in the life of believers. It's over in 1 Thessalonians. Uh, Paul is finishing up his letter to the Thessalonians in, in chapter 5. He has updated them on him and where he is. He has talked about um, the things that have been going on in his life in the life of those who are his entourage, those who are with him. He has spoken of, of sending uh, help to them and getting help from them. He has built them up because of their faith. He has given them comfort about those who have already passed. He's told them that you need to be vigilant for no one knows the hour. And then we come to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, about halfway through in verse 12. And it says there, now we ask you, brothers, to give recognition to those who labor among you and lead you in the Lord and admonish you and to regard them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we exhort you, brothers, warn those who are irresponsible, comfort the discouraged, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See to it that no one repays evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for one another and for all. Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in everything, but this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Don't stifle the Spirit. Don't despise prophecies, but test all things. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely, and may your spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. Brothers, pray for us also. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this letter be read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you. We praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would take this time, Father, use it for your glory. Father, speak through me this morning. Make your message known. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people say. We come to this passage, and as we see how the Spirit is working, you know, Paul has been very, very uplifting throughout the letter. You know, y'all have, y'all have loved one another. Y'all have been faithful. Y'all have done what you need to do. Your, the reports that I get about y'all have, have, have bolstered my strength. They, they've made me joyful. You are my pride and joy. When I stand in front of Jesus, I know that you are the reason I'm standing there because you are my work. And I'm so proud. He has just blessed them and blessed them. But he's speaking to them about the fact that things are going to be different. Things are already different for him. He's not in a good spot when he's writing this letter. You know, he's, he's on his way to toward the end of his life here. Things are starting to go that direction. He knows that he keeps having opposition. And they're going to have opposition. And they're going to have disagreements amongst each other. And, and he, how do we take care of this? And for him, the key is the Spirit. Because as he starts here, we see that the Spirit allows us to do things we cannot or would not do on our own. The overall emphasis of the passage is to trust in the Spirit. Because he begins to say all these things that they're supposed to do. He says, you know, recognize and regard leaders highly. You know, they labor among us. Well, surely I'm going to get recognition for hard work. We do that. We have no problem doing that. But then he goes on. And he says, you know, those people who lead and admonish you. What? Those people who call out your sin for you and say, get in line. Regard them highly. I'm not doing that about the Spirit. <laughs> because when, when we start to call out things, what do we do? We get, our, we get our soul pricked a little bit. We get offended. And we get hurt. And, and so when we find ourselves in this situation, Paul says, thank those people that correct your behavior. What? We don't want to do that. When somebody, when you know, when your wife comes to you, and says, why do I keep finding your towels in the floor? Right, somebody said a nerve there, didn't it? Oh, somebody, you know, we go, oh, well, I just, the dirty clothes hamper is always full. Rather than saying, you know, I was just too lazy to put them in the hamper. We make up an excuse because our first, our first reaction is to do that. And Paul's saying here, Regard the leaders, Heidi, regard those people who do these. Live your life in the Spirit. But the Spirit's supposed to bring all truth, we said last week. And that's a scary thing. Because when God begins to work in us, it's not going to be comfortable. We want it to be comfortable. We want it to be all warm and loving, right? How many of us, when we got married, thought it was going to be like we see on TV? <laughs> Right? All warm and lovey-dovey, and there's no problems. And, you know, we're just going to sail through, and we're going to be the Beatles, and all we need is love and all that good stuff. 
And it's always going to be great. But then guess what? Somebody doesn't make the towels up. Somebody doesn't replace the toilet paper roll. Somebody doesn't wash the dishes. Whatever it is, there's something that comes up. And we find ourselves going, wait a minute. This isn't what I thought it was supposed to be. That's what God's like in our life. Because God begins to say, well, I don't want this part. We're going to move it. And sometimes he uses people to do that. And Paul says here, those people that God has sent, regard them highly. We can't do that apart from the Spirit. The Spirit allows us to do that. Not only that, it says, be leaders for yourselves. Be leaders yourself. What does he say? You who are responsible, warn the irresponsible, comfort the discouraged, help the weak, be patient with them. These are leadership aspects. Paul says, regard the leaders in your life highly, thank them when they help you, but then you be a leader too. And that's where we get the most of them. We may get offended when somebody corrects us, but we don't want to correct anybody, right? Because that's offensive. That's the hard part. Paul says here, it has to be done. He calls us to do that. He calls us to be those people. He just finished speaking of the coming day. He says, the day of the Lord's coming. And you know that it's going to come like a thief in the night. And when they say peace and security, then he's going to be here. And you need to be ready. And we've got to be ready. And so he's called us to warn the world that that, that day is coming. It's going to be here. People are going to have to do that. He says you have to be built. See, see that no one repays anybody evil for evil and always pursue what is good for one another. For everyone. <laughs> for all. That's a filter that sometimes we don't run everything through. Oh. I have dealt with some of you before who get frustrated at me because... I will run things through the lens of how does this affect everybody? Because that's what we're called to do here. Just because something's a great thing for me doesn't mean it's a great thing for Barry. And so we're called as believers to look around and say, is this thing good for everybody? Is this, good, is this thing good that for everybody? Because if it's not good for everybody, guess what it's going to cause? We're going to start grumbling and arguing and being mad because, well, it's not good. And Mitch says after that, rejoice always. Thank the people who correct you. Correct other people. Make sure what you're doing is good for everybody. And then rejoice. <laughs> The humor for me here is, is, is wondrous because nothing about those first three things makes us feel any good at all, right? It's like, oh, okay, thank people who kick me, then kick other people, and make sure you're doing it for everybody's sake. I mean, after all the hurting, just rejoice. Now we're back to Bobby McFerrin. Don't worry, be happy, right? I mean, rejoice always. Now, of course, rejoice here doesn't mean just to be happy. He says rejoice in every circumstance, in every occasion, in every life event. It's not happy, but it's not sad either. It's this glad contentment. This idea that 
It doesn't matter what all of this looks like because I know that God is on my side. Because I know the plans that God has. Because I know what God is doing. Joy comes on account of what Christ has done, irrelevant of whatever other circumstances are happening in your life. Glad contentment in the face of life. I uh, I remember the Sunday after mom's funeral. And nobody expected me to be there. But I had to. Um, because in the midst of this great loss, I also had joy. Because one of the things I had always wondered about my mother was her salvation status. I didn't know. Um, remember the lemons in the trash bags? For most of my life, my mama wasn't even one of those. She didn't go to church. She didn't do the things that Christians do. She told me about Jesus, but that's where it ended. And it was to the point at one point where the only time she would come to a church is if I was in the pulpit. And I, and I, would, I would beg her and I would plead with her. And when she died, we went through her house. This is going to sound bad. We went through her house looking for money. Uh, that was, those were her instructions to me. But my mama was the world's worst at putting money in books in weird places. So she would just put cash in books and she would put them on bookshelves. And so we had to go through every nook and cranny. So in the midst of this, I find her Bible and the prayer journal. Where her morning ritual was writing the letter to Jesus. And in that, I could read the words of someone asking Jesus for salvation. So in the midst of my deepest grief, I climbed in the pulpit that Sunday morning, and I used my mother's Bible to preach it. Because of the joy that came with it. We can't do that without the Spirit. Because the Spirit testifies about Christ in our lives. This is just to pray constantly. I know you may be going, Brother Trial, time to pray constantly. This isn't about going to your prayer closet and hiding from the world. It's an overall attitude of prayer that you can't attain without the Spirit. You can't pray constantly on your own. You can't be connected to Jesus constantly on your own, but the Spirit who is in you can pray at all times. And if you are connected with the Spirit and the Spirit within you is praying at all times, you are constantly praying. And when you take a stop and you take a breath, something will happen and you will go, okay, and you will stop with those popcorn prayers to God, saying, God, bless my road here. Thank you for this Jesus. One of the things that I was always the most jealous of in churches was the faith of the older ladies in my congregations. I'm jealous of that. Y'all make me sin. Y'all's fault. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm, I'm jealous of, the, of that faith because what do they do? It's, it's, it's so natural for them to say, thank you, Jesus. I mean, if you're around those ladies who follow Jesus, 
Whenever something happens, they'll give glory to God. Thank you, Jesus, for this. Thank you for opening the door. Thank you for blessing me. Thank you for leading me this way. And I have an analytical mind. And so when things happen, I start going through all the reasons why this happened. I first go to God and I'm jealous. Because I don't want to have to sift through all this stuff before I get to God. Because they get to God first and foremost. And it's the most amazing thing to me. And it's because they're praying constantly. And then he says, give thanks in everything. In everything? In everything. Have you ever thought about that? Give thanks in everything. I ran out of gas. Did you give thanks to God? Probably not. But we're supposed to. I stubbed my toe. You may have said some words about God. But you probably weren't praising Him in that minute. But we're supposed to give thanks in everything. No matter what it is that we're going through. And then he says, he adds, this is God's will for your life. Give thanks in everything because that's God's will in your life. Modifies all three of these things. If we aren't rejoicing, if we aren't praying continually, if we aren't giving thanks in everything, we're outside God's will. Ooh, that hurts. Because I'm bad about some of those things. I'm bad about that. Ah, give thanks in everything. Just reading that kind of makes me tired a little bit. I can do it, but the Spirit can. But I would remiss in saying this. It doesn't say rejoice or be thankful for everything. It says be thankful in everything. I don't have to be thankful for stubbing my toe. I have to be thankful while studying my toe. The Spirit allows us to do things that we could not or would not do on our own. But also, he goes on to say, the next very next verse, don't stifle the Spirit. When we stifle the Spirit, we limit the power of God in our lives and the lives of those around us. The Greek here really talks about quenching the Spirit. Don't put out the Spirit's fire. I uh, ever talked about water bucket carriers here before? Water bucket carriers, we just need to ban them in the church. Water bucket carriers, those people who walk around with their spiritual bucket of water. And every time the spark comes up, they throw a water bucket put it down. It says, don't quench the spirit. Don't quench that fire. It's a bit of a shift here. It's not a strong one. This is a connecting phrase. It connects what he's been saying with what's next. He's been saying we can't do these things without the Spirit. When we stop the Spirit from working in our individual worship and our corporate worship becomes anemic. What comes next is how a faith community can be affected when we stop the Spirit. He says, don't despise prophecy. This isn't. <laughs> prophecy really has very little to do with telling the future. It has to do with telling the truth. It's truth telling. It's forth telling. Tell forth the truth of God's Word. Remember that the first part about recognizing leaders. Don't despise the word spoken forth. If a leader stifles the spirit, the word isn't proclaimed. And there are lots of places that I've seen online where leaders are preaching the gospel that's not a gospel. They stifle what the spirit wants to say. When the listener stifles the spirit, they have a disdain for the message preached and the word is void. been in a worship service 
where something was going on in your life and because it was going on in your life, you couldn't listen to the word that was being preached. Or the word that was being preached somehow coincided with what you were going through. And so that made you even matter. Because how in the world does he know that? Or if I happen to know it, most of the time, guys, I'll tell you, my sermons, unless a disaster happens, are planned four weeks out. So if I'm preaching today and you feel like, oh my goodness, he is he, he knew about this, he put no. These words were written at least a month ago. My notes are at least a month old. God is working. The Spirit is working. And what happens is we come in and we're just, and I've been there, man. You know, you just hold on to it. That's stopping the Spirit. Because you're disdaining what, what the Word says and you don't want to hear that. And I remember being away from God and I didn't want to hear it. I knew what God was saying to me. I knew what He was saying to me. I didn't want to hear that. No, thank you. Leave me alone. Then he goes on to say, test all things. There are false messages and false teachers out there. Don't believe it just because the God of the Bible says it. That includes me. Just because I say it doesn't mean you should believe it. Go on and read it. The danger happens when you don't read it on your own. If you don't read it on your own, and all you do is hear it when I say it, then, oh, well, he knows. Maybe I do. Maybe I'm just telling you what I want you to hear. The Bible says test it. Know your scripture. Test it against the word. I, I, was, in a, I was in a worship service when I was a teenager. Teenagers are audacious sometimes. Did you know that? They don't have filters. I didn't have filters. Um, I've been called the ministry man. I just devoured the word all the time. And I was in a, a different denomination's church. It was actually non-denominational. Charismatic. Um, I was sitting in the front row because I always sit in the front row. And uh, I'm reading along. And the pastor says something. Read something out of his Bible. And I didn't know it came out out loud. I said... My Bible doesn't say that. And he stopped the sermon. <laughs> and said, huh? He said, oh, my Bible doesn't say that? I mean, what was I going to say at that point? My Bible doesn't say that. And I knew my Bible didn't say that. Because I had been reading my Bible. And it didn't sit well with me. I didn't stay at that church much longer. Because it didn't sit well with me. Because he had changed some things. There's a difference between a translational difference and making the passage say something completely different. But we have to be in the Word to know that. If we don't, we don't, we, we don't stop with the Spirit because the Spirit leads us into all truth. And it says, hold on to what is good and stay away from every kind of evil. The only way to know which is which sometimes is the leading of the Spirit. The Spirit is like a cancer biopsy. Because the Spirit can take a little bit and show you this is wrong. Because when they do a box, you forget what they did. They take it and they take a little bit and they say, this needs to come out. This doesn't need to be. The Spirit does. The Spirit looks and takes that. But the Spirit also, he says, is at work in us, empowering us to live faithful lives. 
Spirit's in us. To live faithful lives. We don't have to do it on our own. We're not always going to be a part of grand miracles. You may never be a part of a miracle that you think is a miracle. There are some people in this world who they're chasing after that. I've got to be a part of miracles. There's not always going to be a part of that. Sometimes you're going to be a part of living a life of faithfulness. And sometimes living a life of faithfulness is the greatest miracle of all. We uh, If you're trusting in your works, if you're trusting in your ability to do things, you're going to fail. You're going to fall. Because we can't do it. There are 24 hours in a day, in case you didn't know. I like to act like there are 27 sometimes, but there's not. No matter how, how many times I've known them, I have not been given the gift that Joshua gave to make the sun stand still yet. I've only got 24 hours. God calls us to make the most of that 24 hours. Maybe today you have been struggling <coughs> trying to do things on your own. There is no greater struggle than to do things on your own. Last week, we know about all my adventures last week, right? And Carrie came out mid-dig. Carrie actually went behind my back, but that's okay. Came out mid-dig and said, why are you doing this by yourself? It's got to be done. So she sends a message to Angie. You know, she didn't talk to Don, she called Angie. See, it's the wives. That's what it is. But and she was like, can you come over and help dig? So you're doing things on your own. You don't get there very fast. And you're going to fail. You know how many times I gave up those three days? I'm done! And I'd go back inside. And I'd think about the I'll come back outside. You know that. And if we're not trusting the Spirit, that's our spiritual walk to it. Well, I failed. I'm done. And then we'll come back and start again. And the problem is, we keep starting again on our own power. And when we're starting on our own power, we're not any further along than we were when we started. Maybe this morning you've been struggling with doing things on your own. And now's the time to say, I'm going to let the Spirit do it because I can't do it by myself. Maybe this morning, maybe, maybe you have been neglecting the joy that you need. You've been neglecting the prayer that you're supposed to be doing. Man, because without those two things, <laughs> The world looks pretty dismal. <clears throat> Maybe this morning 
there's some of the need, maybe, maybe you want to pray. The altar's open. I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to start a missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church membership. Maybe this morning you've never known Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you've never taken a step to say, I want to know Jesus, and, and, and you don't have the power of the Spirit in you. And so everything you do is on your own. Now's the time to walk the aisle. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. We're guaranteed right now. We're guaranteed this breath. Come down the aisle and say, Brother Troy, I want to know Jesus, and we'll go from there. Or wherever you're at, whatever you need, give it to you. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now, and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings.